I was also uh, one of the ring girls for UFC, like the ultimate fighting championship <laughs> in UFC 2, which shows my age. I did some modeling, you know, fitness modeling mm-hmm. uh, for UFC. I have the calendars and all that fun stuff to show for it. <laughs> it's diametrically opposed also to <laughs> spiritual things. <laughs> People come to my house and like, is that you? I'm like... I know. I said that. I was like, that like, doesn't even look like you. That's me in Hawaii. <laughs> that's what was the UFC stuff. But I liked it for a little while. But that was a reaction to, you know, being immersed into the business world that I was. You know, when I first moved with Kevin to Chicago, and it was so intense. And I really didn't know how to cope. I lost, you know, total identity of myself. And it was a way to kind of grab on to something that I could do. So I had been watching... And I'd been a gymnast, you know, in high school, and I'd been a very athletic person, uh, very outdoors, you know, growing up. And I saw commercials that you could compete, you know, in fitness. I'm going, wow, maybe I could do that. And so I did. I started getting up, you know, at like 5 in the morning. Actually, it was like 4.30 in the morning and working out. And then working out for, um, I, I eventually hired a trainer after about six months and uh, we were training, you know, at uh, five in the morning. I got up at four thirty, went to the gym, trained from five to six, came home, eight, uh, got ready, and then went into went into the office. And it was really intense, you know, because we were running really intense sales oriented business, and um, lots of yelling and testosterone laden kind of energy. And it was just a great way to get myself, you know, back to me, like to reclaim something. That wasn't. Something you had control over. Exactly. So it was that. Would that's what I did, and and I did really well. You know, after two years of competing, I just got to be frankly too big. I couldn't fit. You know, my thighs were so because they were getting so muscular. Couldn't fit, and you know, I still have you know muscles mm-hmm. left over from you know that whole period. I couldn't fit into you know regular clothes, so I had to. Um, <laughs> I. I had made nationals and competed and, you know, I had, you know, my family was there and I had a peak moment and it was on AHA and I said, you know, I've accomplished what I wanted to do here. Do I really want to, you know, can like move this forward, you know, which requires more and more and then basically that's what becomes your life and I said, no. I think I set out what I, you know, I came to do. I wanted to reclaim a part of myself and that's exactly what I did. So, you know, I basically went out on top and, you know, with a sense of confidence and all of that kind of thing. And then I didn't have to get any bigger because that's really what I didn't want to do. And it did take me a long time, actually, to fit back into regular jeans. It takes a long time to lose, you know, that muscle that you've that you've gained. And it's not bodybuilding, it's fitness competition, but you still are gaining. You know, I have pictures, you know, even in competition, you can see uh, pretty big I hired, you know, all the best people in Chicago, the, the dance coach for the Bulls dance team. When they were in championship mode, you know, the Chicago Bulls, mm-hmm. they have the Lovables, which is their which is their dance team. I hired their head choreographer, and she's the one that was, you know, choreographing my routines. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it, was a, it was an interesting departure to, you know, what I'd been doing. But I lost fascination. Uh, you know, I, that's kind of me. So I decided, you know, I had accomplished what I wanted to, and I I moved on from that. I didn't feel so, you know, dead with what I was doing or lost, you know, numb, you know, because I can function quite well in those environments. But, you know, that's not not a way to live for sure. Sure. 
Well, today I'm speaking with Deborah Shea. She is, uh, as a, we were talking about, a, we'll, call, we'll call it a quote-unquote past life, <laughs> something in her former younger years. Um, she is now a healer, a teacher of ancient wisdom, a psychic medium, and a channel. So I want to thank you, Deborah, for doing my podcast today. And we've already started talking about your journey. So you, you were talking earlier offline about getting into sales, and you were in these fitness competitions. You were a national-level fitness competitor. You were featured on ESPN. You were a ring girl for the UFC 2 and a fitness model. So that's what we were just kind of talking about. So I wanted to talk to Deborah today because I think she has an interesting journey. She's had very different iterations of her life I think most of us have <laughs> and through everything and I think um, you hit on a touch point about saying you set out to be what you wanted to be and you were finished and you moved on to something else now you know what it's like to be that fitness model so you don't have any regrets in that area so that's good so welcome thank you yeah thank you Kathleen <laughs> I, you were talking so beautifully that I didn't want to like have you start over so no you're no thank you so much no i'm i'm happy to be here and and thank you so much for you know coming out it's a you know it's a kind of twisted story but i think it's really something you know that is um important because i think many people you know have you know similar experience and you know the point that i'm at today is you know it's a result of all the things you know that um you know, all the journey that I've been through. And, you know, I believe everybody's journey is very colorful, but I do also believe that mine is, you know, uh, that a lot of people don't, on the surface, I think if you meet me, you're, you're, you can not necessarily know exactly, you know, where it is that I came from. But um, when I start, I, I wanna let everybody know, you know, I started out, uh, you know, as a child in a very, you know, low income family. Um, we were really, really struggling. My mother and father um, were very disjointed. Um, my mother lived in survival. You're basically living in an environment where, you know, you're, you're in survival 100%. You don't have any type of um, support system. So, I believe I have mm, some sort of like fuzzy memories of, I mean, just running basically wild, you know, there, there was no curfew. Um, I almost drowned in the swimming pool, you know, in, in one of the low income apartments that we lived in. We got our electricity shut off often. Um, we lived on, occasionally we would get some government assistance, you know, the, the milk or the cheese or what have you. I always felt like I, I wasn't really here. You know, I was living in an alternate universe. I had, you know, a connection with all of my, well, this is the good part about it. Um, I was outside all the time. So I was always talking to the rocks and the plants <laughs> and, I, and I knew, you know, that I could communicate. And, you know, what everybody says is imaginary. I could really, you know, connect with these beings and with the fairies. I would stay out <laughs> with the fairies and then, you know, oh yes. And then I had, you know, a, a magical horse in my backyard. And then I had some, you know, some of the devas that would drain the water in my bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we had a dirt backyard and it was kind of, you know, but 
even the like little tiny little bit of moss or you know anything that was in the backyard you know I could see you know all of the magic there so I really kind of absorbed myself into you know that um, but I was really really disjointed and I can remember early on you know really early on I believe that there was a neighbor that there was some pretty bad abuse that I had and I believe it was sexual abuse that I had you know pushed down um, that never came to light you know and my parents wouldn't have noticed because my mom is in survival and uh, my dad is completely checked out and uh, you know completely incapable of any type of connection so you know this is the way that it was and I just learned how to you know cope in this environment I was very awkward I couldn't connect with people in my school I was uh, I, it wasn't as if I was bullied but um, it was very hostile we lived in you know low-income neighborhood and it's reverse almost you know I was the only white girl in you know an all Latino or you know um, neighborhood in you know Denver Denver okay in one of the bad areas there and so I was bullied constantly so I just would try to sleep you know during recess or I try to be somewhere where I could isolate and try to go you know to alternate universes or worlds and just try to escape there and it was it was sufficient at the time but you know you get to a point you know especially when you start maturing you know that you start developing a sense of wow you know this is really not good you're trying to build up defenses you know to how to live I found out at that time at seven that my dad had children from his first marriage that they wanted to move out. All of a sudden, I realized I have three siblings that I didn't know that I had, so half brothers and sisters. He didn't pay child support, so they moved them out into our house, and it was an utter disaster. If you're talking about the, my half-brother was very uh, dysfunctional. He just got out of correctional facility, so, and he had been, you know, incarcerated for 20 odd years. For, oh my goodness. Yeah, for abusing, you know, small boys. So, you know, they came out of really harsh, abusive environments. So, you know, my whole upbringing was pretty, you know, it was, it was very much you're on your own very dissociative you know you're going to have to survive and so what I ended up doing was throughout you know high school I'm trying to adapt and I'm trying to build you know a facade of like who I can be so somebody can't get at me you know so it's it's like an exterior so you try to become some instead of what I was when I was younger being vulnerable and and disconnected I tried to create some hard shell of like this is this is what it looks like to be perfect you know, if I can do this and that's, then nothing can harm me. But, you know, basically what happens is then you become dead inside. And sure. I lost all the connections that I had had. And you replace every, all the, any natural connection that you have with what, with this outer thing that you're trying to create. You know, I'm trying to be beautiful. I'm trying to be smart. I'm trying to be all the things that you think are going to, are going to help you instead of, by being accepted yeah or you know maybe not even being accepted but it's almost um it's almost a little bit you know like uh aggressive too like you know so if the world doesn't you know if the world isn't accepting me and i'm feeling as a victim you're going to kind of do the opposite so i'm just going to build this big shell and it's going to look good and that's so that's what i did and um 
but you know you you pay the price for that because then I lost my connection I lost my connection with the other worlds you know and I used to be really intuitive but it was very painful to be that way to receive all the information and you know to feel all of that you know that especially when you're young like that and really open and vulnerable the only thing you can do is close yourself up because people don't want to hear that you see people or see things or, you know, they don't want to know. They just kind of, you know, poo-poo it, right? Yeah. Well, they're not ready for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, in general at that time, people didn't want to connect at all. So then you start saying some woo-woo stuff like that (laughs) and it's like even worse, you know, then then you're, then you're really out on a limb. So, you know, it's a survival technique. And so that's what I did. And I, I ended up learning how to do it really well. That's, you know, at, at, um, 19 and I ended up meeting my partner that I have two children with and he was highly successful business person and he said wow you know you've got amazing talents and you know you would be really really great in business and he had all these things that fit that veneer that I really wanted to have so bad you know I really wanted to be successful he had the huge house and you know in Denver he had a limousine you know Which is, you know, in Denver, people don't really, I mean. People don't drive. They don't do that. No, it's like a mountain town still, you know. And it was just obnoxious, but, you know, it had a very big attraction to it because I'm like, you know what, I really need some of that, you know. So I did. I, I, we ended up dating and shortly after we went to go start some businesses um, in Chicago that were highly successful, you know, multi-million dollar businesses that um, I learned a lot, but basically I was dying. You know, I was really dying. My inner core was dying, you know, from just shutting down all of that thing. You know, I was substituting what a natural connection was for something that I was trying to fabricate. And granted, you know, there's parts of me that are in there, but I was really doing it for the wrong reason. But what, can you explain a little bit more, like, what you mean by you lost that connection? Connection to what and... How does business, how does being in business, and I'm not saying everybody's like this, but how does being in business affect that? Like, what are the qualities that create you to lose that connection? I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think we talked earlier, spirituality, it's, it's you do spirituality and you don't make any money. You're in business, you make lots of money, but you have no connection. Right. Really, but that's not true. It right. isn't true. It's both true. of them, yeah, both but, of them but are what, wrong. what about business makes you lose that connection, I guess is my question. Right. So even though, you know, younger when I was being isolated, I still had, I still had the ability to receive, you know, even if it was painful, you know, I still had the ability to receive and perceive all of the layers, you know, of, you know, the universe around me and, you know, my connection with the world and my authentic connection with myself. And, you know, when that becomes something that's painful and you're deciding that, you know, it's not accepted in the world or it's too much of a struggle to to be connected like that, you begin to find ways, you know, to survive. And so you, you start to close those things down. You close down the pain and you're like, well, this is what's this is what the world wants to see. Mm-hmm. So this is what I, this is what I'm going to put forward. And I think that in the business world a lot, especially for women, and I'm not saying it's not true for men, 
but especially women that are trying to be highly successful in business. You have to put on, you know, you don't have to, but in the past, there is the expectation, especially in sales. And, you know, in the industries that we've been in, we had, you know, two to 300 person sales uh, force that, you know, I was instrumental in recruiting and managing. And the industry really does not or did not at that time respect, you know, a female in power. So you have to take on attributes that don't necessarily, you know, support your core, which is, you know, instead of being intuitive and inclusive and communicative and, you know, uh, seeing the whole picture, a lot of times it's very violent and it's very aggressive. And a lot of times it goes, you know, against things that you would normally feel are you know the higher path but it's not supported you know at that time and I was really young when I started you know like I said um, by the time our our businesses were going you know full force I was only 21 and I'm you know dealing in a man's world in downtown Chicago you know we're right next to the board of trade we've got a huge company you know and we've got high-powered attorneys and all all that type of thing and here I am you know I got to act all, you know, I got to act like I know what I'm doing. You know, you got to, you got to, you got to button yourself up. And then what, what did serve me was I was intuitive enough to know what they wanted. So, (laughs) so I could actually, you know, put on a good show, but for that reason, you know, that you die when you do that. So, you know, you put on a good face. Because you're not being authentic, essentially. It's a mask. You're right. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I'm a very good actress. I can, I can wear, wear a really good mask. And, you know, I can do a lot of things really well, but they didn't feed me. And in the long run, they didn't feed me. So, and the businesses were thriving, but, you know, at what price? You know, I was, I was becoming more and more disheartened and more and more dead as I went along. That's what led me to want to do the fitness that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I was just trying to reclaim that. I was trying to get a piece of myself back, uh, which I did. And, um. But man, it was, you know, it was, if I look back at it now, I mean, it's so damaging. I basically lived dead, even though I made a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people, you know, that are successful live that way. They live dead. They basically do. They have, they don't have a connection. As much as they can tell you their Mercedes or anything, you know, feeds them. And it's just that drive. And it's, you know, it is, it is the mask, you know. So I basically went from like, feeling in a victim state to kind of going the opposite direction, you know, into this other way of being. But, you know, those those things can only sustain themselves so long. Right, but it's always a need, like enough is never enough, right? Right. In that, in that environment, you can get all the cars and all the clothes and all mm-hmm. the money, but it's mm-hmm. still, it's not feeding, it's not fulfilling you. And you don't know what's missing because you consume, consume, and consume, right? Or whatever you want to call it. And it's just never enough. But the spiritual side of it, it's almost, if you have a connection, you're filled up automatically, Mm -hmm. kind of. Does that make sense? (laughs) No, it totally does. Yeah, so that's that's actually what happened. So we, we went on for six years, built up very big businesses. But we went through the, you know, the dot com crash, um, actually, we went through, yeah, when there, there was the big investment crash um, that happened, uh, lost a tremendous amount of money that we had made. 
um, one of our businesses was struggling, uh, and we were we were one of the offices of a company out here in California, and they had offered us to come out here to California and to head up all the sales operations because they were going to go public. So we were supposed to get stock in the company, and I just felt like, wow, I've always felt like I wanted to be in California. Because I never felt good on the East Coast or even in the Midwest. I always felt like somehow I needed to be here and I always felt a connection here. So when we got offered the opportunity, I said, wow, I'm going to come out here. And so came out and I bought a convertible BMW right after I started and things were going really well. And all of a sudden then it was a disaster. So we, we started to lose everything. So my partner is incapable of working with anybody (laughs) so he was blowing up the business relationships but they were blowing up anyway and there was also a big financial crisis that started to happen and then that's also you know around uh, 9-11 as well as we so we left that company and basically I was jobless now and I had a brand new BMW car and we're living you know in Newport uh, which is highly expensive and we have no finances anything and I'm just basically alone and I'm empty you know I have no connection to myself and everything that I've created all around me is falling apart and then you know there's no connection with my partner either because he's having a nervous breakdown he wouldn't come out of the shower or anything and I started having you know I guess a it was like the whole shell of what I was just completely broke. It crumbled. And it, and it was it was painful, but it was liberating. I felt like I was going crazy for a little bit. And it took, a, took over the course of maybe... Well, I mean, it went on for longer than this. But the, the initial part was I started to have this break. I didn't have any money um, to pay for my car payment. And then I started hearing things and seeing things. it's going to sound really and it is crazy by the way but this is the way that it happened I started seeing things in the sky like um, angels would be you know manifesting or faces and I would hear messages and all of a sudden I wanted to go to the bookstore and so I drove there and I didn't have any money to do this but I ended up it was almost like I was in a trance, in a kind of a crazy trance, right? But I mean, I was already, I was already <laughs> falling apart, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Nothing made sense. I went into the metaphysical section, and this, this is when Barnes & Noble was still a thing. Uh, and I bought this huge stack of books. And I mean, amazing books like Drunblow, Melchizedek, like a Sacred Geometry, Light Body book. And then I bought Hands of Light and Light Emerging by Barbara Brennan. I didn't know what these were, by the way. They're just fascinating me. And like, you know, Wheels of Life about the chakras. And then I bought, I bought some Deepak Chopra. And then I bought, you know, a few other ones. And I didn't have any money for them, actually. Like, I mean, I should have been paying like for rent or car or, you know, heat. But, <laughs> but I really, saying? really wanted to buy them. So was, I was obsessed and I ended up buying them. Come to find out, you know, as I progress now here, you know, 15, almost more than that later, um, all of those books, I ended up uh, teaching those classes that the books were about, modifying the, the content, 
I studied four years of um, Barbara Brennan, uh, Hands of Light. Um, I have a four-year degree in uh, healing science. I also bought the Pathwork books, and I also am trained in emotional processing. And then I bought all the crystal books by Katrina Raphael, and I ended up starting to study those too. And I didn't even know what I was doing. But if I look back at it, like Spirit had basically taken me there and said, I don't care how much money you have, but you're going to buy all these books. <laughs> because this is this is your teaching curriculum, and this is what we want you to learn. And then there wasn't anything that was more important than that. And I was just really obsessed uh, with everything. And Kevin, I came home, and I was just, I'm blown away. And I was constantly reading and talking about things that I was seeing. And he said, you need to really be quiet. He said, because you can't tell anybody these things because they are going to think you're crazy. Right. And he was still having an emotional breakdown. And um, I remember he was in the shower and he'd been in the shower for like two days with the cold water on, uh, having a really serious uh, financial breakdown. And I went out to go get groceries, I think. It was just just driving up, you know, uh, up. Uh, we lived at Promontory at the time. So up on the PCH, mm-hmm. right, that there. area. And there's a there's a stoplight right there, you know, at uh, right as you go out. And as I pulled up, I had the top down in that car that I couldn't afford <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it was cute little white BMW Z3. I love that thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> might as well enjoy it while right. you can't afford it. So I remember like looking at the sky, and the light had turned red and I'm looking at the sky and then all of a sudden I'm getting this transmission and it was so strong. And was, there was a cloud there, you know, like a cloud. And all of a sudden I get this direct transmission saying, I know who you are. And at first I didn't understand. And then she said, you know, you're gonna bring my son to God and I want you to know you know that your path is very important and I'm worried and I was thinking oh my goodness I know who this is I'd never met her though but um I guess you know seven years before I met you know Kevin my my partner of 25 years the father of my children it's his it was his mother and she had died of cancer oh geez and she was a very very devout uh Lutheran and she used to have these big prayer circles and she used to you know try to do healings and she's a very powerful spirit i had never had this experience before and i hadn't been meditating ever and i'm not a religious or i was not a religious or spiritual person i was never raised that way and so she's transmitting directly to me and then it was such a powerful experience and then she told me i want you to go and tell kevin that you spoke to me and i'm like <laughs> He's already told me to be quiet. I'm like, how can I do this? I'm going to say, oh, okay, I talked to your dead mother that I've never met at a stoplight. And then she transmitted to me that that I'm going to bring you to God, which, you know, I'm not a spiritual person. I wasn't at the time. Not religious, no meditation, anything. But, yeah. So, and as he's having an emotional breakdown in the bathtub or, I mean, in in the shower, I'm supposed to tell him that I spoke to his mom at a stoplight. Oh, and it was like that stoplight lasted forever because we had a full-on conversation that was it's kind of outside of time so she could transmit to me a lot of information and I was completely blown away. So what did you, how did, 
you're calling it now a transmission, but what did you think at the time? Did you hear something in your ear? Was it just something in your mind that you heard? Yeah, it was both. It was like, um, it was a psychic transmission. I could hear her voice. It was as, as if she was inside of my body. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I, but, I, but I'm looking up at the sky, like, you know, the transmission's coming from there. Uh-huh. Um, well, that psychic medium. So a lot of, I, that's, I, I do that a lot for people now. Sure. So it, it is, it was a latent gift that I had had that, that had, a, it awoke because I was in such crisis you know, it took me all of this stress and all of this financial crisis. And I was literally, you know, at my, literally at my end and felt like I was going crazy, but that's the breaking process. And that's what it took for me to access what the gifts that I had had when I was young. So, you know, I could do that when I was young, if I wanted to, I, but you know, I didn't necessarily talk to people that have transitioned. You know, I was talking to fairies and I was talking to my interdimensional beings, you know, and um, the Lemurian guides and, you know, the ones that were kind of protecting me when I was little. So I didn't really do a lot of that. But the whole experience just totally blew me away. Sure. And sure enough, I went home and I told him. (laughs) How did that go? I mean... He kind, he <laughs> as kind best of, as it could. He kind of uh, said okay, and I thought I saw him kind of taking it in because it's not something I would have ever said before. And I told him before I said it. I said I really think I shouldn't tell you this, but I have to because it really happened. And um, I mean, he'd already tell me not to tell people <laughs> these things because it was crazy. But a little side note, you know, to that to that thing, you know, my. My uh, oldest daughter, she was in kindergarten, and they had they had uh, their graduation outside, you know, in the in the yard area of the private school where she was going. This is well after this event. Gosh, like seven years. I got pregnant shortly after that, but uh, so like seven years after that, and she, she was so cute, and then she got little awards and everything, and then she came to me, you know, right after the ceremony outside. She's hugging me, and she goes do you think Grandma Marty is looking at us from above? And I'm like, why would you say something like that? (laughs) She goes, because she's talking to me, and she just told me to have a wonderful summer and that she's very proud of me. Oh, I got chills. And I was like, oh, that's so good. And she's done it to my younger daughter, too. So Marty's a very strong spirit. So she's, you know, because of her... Because of her spiritual work that she did here, somehow she has a way to transcend that. But it always happens the same way. She's transmitting by, and I I don't need to connect with other beings that way. Um, But her specifically, you know, she's done that with me and then both of my children. She's done the same way that they're looking up at the sky. And Mackenzie says it all the time too, my younger one. She's like, Marty, talk to me. And she talks to her all the time. So you know, she's pretty strong spirit. So that started everything. And then I just spontaneously started to explode into meditation. And when I was little, I loved rocks and crystals. Mm -hmm. I started collecting every last one. And then everything started really opening up. And I I was struggling financially, but I spent a crap load of money on crystals. (laughs) And you still do. (laughs) I know. Well, now, you know, I've got... I've got like, now I've got a reason to, so, you know, because I distribute them, you know, for my groups in Japan and here and everything. So now I can have, I love my inner child now because I'm like, here, little Debbie, look, 
look, little Debbie, look at all the crystals you have. <laughs> you know, and I get to play with them and everything. But now, you know, and the crystals started to talk to me again and taught me how to work with them and access these worlds and all of that. I mean, it's been a long time. You know, I've done a lot of studying and it wasn't it wasn't a fast process, but the but the opening process was pretty chaotic, but it happened during trauma. You know, I shut down during trauma as a child. I've had a great deal of trauma, you know, that I that I haven't discussed, you know, here on this podcast, but I think it's for a reason. And then I shut down, so you know, spirit is using me as a way to show people that, you know, I feel like a healer really can't help you, you know, to the extent that they can if they haven't been through the darkness. If they can't understand your darkness and can't understand what it feels like to be completely uh, shut down and hopeless and, you know, in crisis many, many times, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, so it's like dying and then coming back to life and then dying and coming back to life and dying and coming back to life. So I feel like I hold that vibration for people. And then, you know, so the teachings and the healings and the channelings that I do are really coming from that place of, you know, I can hold the darkness with somebody and I can understand what it is because I've done it. Right. Yeah. Multiple different, way, way different ways. You know, we could talk for days and days. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I've known you for, I think I was thinking about it, like 10 years. Mm -hmm. I met you in 2009 and you've helped me tremendously throughout the years. I mean, Mm. you... I can't even describe, like, just because, you you know, your intuitive nature and your experience with the, you're just able to go directly to the point and say, this is what it is. It's on a soul level or where I have been to traditional therapy and um, group therapy before. And to me, it's just always been very surfacey, and it takes years Mm -hmm. to get to any kind of good, solid, like, what's really the cause, the root cause of your experiences. And an hour session with you, we've gone way past that and, you know, uncovered some pretty, you know, the source of something. And then I go away and work on it, and then I come back and say, okay, now I'm doing this. So I absolutely agree with you, your experience and your Mm -hmm intuition helps people tremendously so thank you i know i really appreciate it it's my it's my joy you know and really um you know if if i can express it you know correctly i'm healing by healing others so you know every time i'm committing to doing something teaching something new even the more that i work with people you know spirit brings me other challenges you know i'm going through a rebirth right now a really really big one i'm getting out of that 25 year relationship so it's very you know and i've got a tremendous amount of transformation you know i've had some health challenges as well and it was interesting i had one of my japanese healing clients that said something to me I posted I had some surgery, abdominal surgery, you know, enduring some, you know, some things that I should be or I could have been transforming. Um, And it has a physical effect. And so, you know, and so she had said at the beginning of our session, and of course, it's being translated, you know, from Japanese to English and then back to Japanese. uh, Because I've been going out there for 
gosh, like seven years now teaching in Japan, you know, healing and doing channeling and, and uh, psychic reading and, and delivering crystals and all that kind of thing. She said, wow, she says, you know, I thought you were, you know, a spiritual teacher, you know, how could you get sick like that? And I said, well, how could I be your spiritual teacher if I don't get sick? <laughs> so I'm not saying I need to get sick to teach, but I'm saying I am human and I, you know, through my process, I can help you to navigate, you know, what's happening with you on a personal level. I don't want, I don't need to be 100% to be 100%, you know, holding energy for you. I would much rather that than being disconnected like I was, you know, and shut down for so long. You know, I'd rather be real and raw and, you know, be able to help people, you know, through any type of darkness because, you know, spirit puts me right where it needs to. And then I always, I take those things and then I share it with everybody else. And it's, it tends to be what we're all going through at yes. the same yes. time. So that's you know that's my that's how spirit you know wants me to work and that's what i've found they will always give me something that i'm supposed to really learn and embrace and then new vibrational teachings come in and then i can share it with everyone else and it's beautiful and it's and it's um instead of just reading something out of a book you know you can really vibrationally get it when everybody's you know if somebody is has transformed something within themselves or are transforming them you're holding the pattern now for someone else to do it you know so and it's showing the way kind of. right yeah instead of just telling you know and they can feel it they're like wow i can feel that transformation's really coming there or you give them the permission to really be authentic and raw and to you know really be with you in a in a healing space which you know with traditional therapies and everything, they don't subscribe to that method. But, you know, that's, that's you know, my understanding. That's what the planet is going through. So we're all kind of going through that thing together. So to be disconnected from our own individual process and believe that, you know, we can't assist others. You know, anybody in pain can be of assistance. Because um, there's a compassion involved, too, because you've experienced it. So, you know, firsthand the how painful experiences yeah. can be. So you're a little bit more compassionate, more empathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then you, you combine then the intuition and then I connect with the guides too. So in that space, they can show me the, the way, the individual way for that person. It's not my process. But if I'm open, you know, in whatever kind of holding that ability, then, you know, then I can connect with the guides or the healing energy. And then, you know, more importantly, with that person's higher self, you know, their inner healer that's that's there all along. So we, we give permission for our inner healers to communicate with each other. And that's, you know, that's really where the magic happens, you know, as far as that's concerned. Sure. I want, if you would talk a little bit about how your experiences or your emotions can cause physical disease or you know ailments in the body mm-hmm. like if we don't deal with it or release it or address it mm-hmm. how does that work yeah so I mentioned that I'm uh, Barbara Brennan trained actually I was trained through uh, uh, Melinda Anderson here and she still is in Costa Mesa I think she still runs her healing school but uh, Barbara Brennan method training which is it's a four-year bachelor degree program and it's very rigorous um, but it works with the aura and the, the different the different layers of the aura. You know, there's seven of them. 
major layers, and then they correspond with the chakras. And then anytime you know that you have trauma, the trauma that I was talking about when I was younger, you'll shut down you know, certain chakras and you'll stop processing energy because it's painful. If I'm constantly getting, you know, negative, you know, uh, negative attack, you know, from my father, then I'm going to feel like I'm worthless. So I'm probably shutting down my solar plexus chakra and I'm probably shutting down my heart because I don't want to feel the pain of that. If I'm constantly being told things, you know, about, you know, about being, you know, not good enough or that type of thing, I'm also going to do the same. If I'm, if I'm told, you know, that I can't talk or, you know, um, or making noise, this was also something too. You're going to shut down your throat or speaking truth or trying to ask for what you need and you're getting shut down there. You're going to shut that down. So every one of your energy centers feeds certain areas of your body. It also feeds your emotions. It feeds your thoughts. It feeds your, it feeds your uh, spiritual connection. It also feeds like the template that your whole body and it also feeds um, the outer layer, which is, that's actually your, your divine plan. So that kind of moves everything through. So wherever that blockage is, it affects all the layers of the aura. So it generally will start on the outside, like your divine plan will start, your, your chakra shuts down, and you're going to shut down, you know, vital energy to those organs or those places in your body. And it you can't decide not to except not to accept negative feedback, but you're going to accept positive feedback. If it shuts down, it just shuts down. So then you have an inability to process energy on any level to some extent. And then so that starts a process and it'll start and it, and it, and it spiders out into the, um, into the aura. Um, a lot of it is triggered through things that you want to, you want to heal in your lifetime. Your soul will create something like that. And will create, you know, your parents, you know, to have this certain dysfunction that's going to create this pattern in your life. But shutting down that vital energy over time, your body is going to start to shut down. So you create, you create all types. It'll start out with negative thoughts. So like looping negative thoughts, habitual negative thought patterns, um, self-hatred, all different types. And, and they'll generally be about yourself. But, but negative negative thought patterns. And then that aura sinks down to the emotional level. So if you have negative thoughts about yourself, you're probably going to feel really bad. You're going to feel <laughs> sad. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel all sorts of things. And then, you know, you don't want to feel that, so you're going to be numb. You're going to try to numb that out. You're going to try to stop that energy too. And then that comes down, you know, to, you know, uh, you know, to the physical layer. And the physical layer supports your physical body. And that's where all of your physical body is supported. So when you start shutting down that energy, that's when you get disease. So if you're not addressing something, then it generally starts, you know, like I said, with, you know, with um, like a looping pattern, negative pattern that's starting to happen. And then it affects you very negatively emotionally. Um, and then it'll start to affect the physical. And depending on, you know, what chakras are involved, it, that, that will be that part of the body. So, you know, all sorts of cancers and, you know, chronic pains and well, any, any type of physical dysfunction. So when we do healing, the healing, you know, I did the four years, but I also did emotional process training. So we'll try to come into the body first and feel where the blocks are. So, you know, I have techniques that I use to help people kind of come into their body. And we're basically just focusing, trying to breathe and come in as much as possible. Most people live their whole life outside of their body. 
and they're not connected. We're in our head. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, what is this thing called a body? Right. So when they start to come in, they're starting to feel these negative emotions. Poof, they're all the way out again. Yep. And it's very hard to get body awareness. But if we can do that, we're unfreezing that stuck energy. And it starts to get it to move again. And then we can work with it. And then so we can heal it. It's it's painful. We can experience that frozen energy. is um, It's frozen trauma. So, you know, if, if my dad said something, I remember my dad trying to drown me in the swimming pool. Him and his uh, friend were high, and I was really young, and I didn't swim really well. I think I was like five. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, we were in his friend's swimming pool, and they were trying to drown me. I mean, playing around. Yeah, yeah. They were really high, but they were making fun of because I was like dog paddling, and they wanted to get me out to the deep end, and then they tried to push me under, and I literally thought that he was trying to kill me. I mean, it was really bad. So, I mean, those type of traumas, they they get, like, they get frozen in your body and it causes disease and then you get trauma over and over again built on those types of experiences you know where you're experiencing wow my dad wants to kill me right. you know that's 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 horrendous your whole survival shuts down you know your your root chakra you know just being in complete survival and just realizing that somebody has zero care for you you know, and as a child, you're completely dependent, and they wouldn't let me get over to the sides of the swimming pool. So, you know, that type of trauma gets frozen, and then you can't stay in your body because you think that the world is dangerous. You know, once you freeze that trauma, you're not aware of it anymore because that's the way that you survive as a conscious human being. You can't live with all this trauma in your body on a conscious level. It's way too much. So what does your consciousness do? It freezes it, so you don't have access to it, which is good for survival, horrible for your body. <laughs> and in the long run, the healing process is going through these things layer by layer and trying to unfreeze it. And they're like, wow. So, wow, I've, to this day, uh, and I, I didn't tell this part of my story, but um, even though in high school and everything, I was trying to have this, you know, facade of everything, I could not look anybody in the eye at all all throughout business and anything. I always had my eyes down. If I went to the grocery store, I couldn't tell you the color of the shirt of the person that checked me out. I was constantly in a state of existential terror, you know, that all constantly out of my body and trying to appear that I wasn't. Uh, when I started to get into the healing school, we did a lot of work and it took me years, you know, to, and then all of a sudden I realized, wow, I can connect with people. You know, and I can actually be living here, you know, in my body now. But it took a lot of unfreezing. And most people live in a lot of trauma and, you know, blocks in their body. And they those things are the things that cause disease. Those are the things that, you know, um, really affect us in every area of our life. Absolutely. And, yeah. And it's... Yeah. It's painful, but the other side of it, if you work through it, is liberating oh, is is fantastic well and the 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 change is monumental on every level sure yeah and it's something that you take with you so anything you know uh i know a lot of people don't want to be on the planet and they're wanting to ascend and that type of thing but you know i believe i'll be back and back and back and back and back again as i have thousands of times before uh what you heal here you take with you so your soul group and what you do for humanity you you won't have to heal again so you won't have to come back and and do that again but i mean i wish everybody could have completion 
right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, everything that's healed, you know, um, in this lifetime, you do take with you. Thank God. I know. <laughs> so all this time. I'm over it, let me tell you. <laughs> well, and you're really doing it for everyone, too. You're doing it for all your ancestors. You're doing it for your children. You're doing it for all those that come, uh, even if you don't have children, for your ancestors' children, you know, or, you know, your family's children, those that are in your lineage. Anything that you're healing, you're doing it for them. So you're healing that soul group pattern of healing. So... A lot of us that are, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure that you're doing healing for everyone, you know, and you're doing it for a lot of the people that are highly unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. But do they get it, that the highly unconscious people, do they get anything even though they might be unconscious? They get the opportunity to experience their unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Well, no, so what they get is, you know, it's, it's this way, so... When we, when we jump off the track of trauma and, you know, we, we start to heal ourselves, um, we start to connect differently. We're not going to connect with people the way that we used to. But that's a gift because we used to connect with them in a really distorted way, in an unhealthy way. And when we become healthy, even if that means we're not really connecting with them, it gives them the opportunity then they have to look at their actions and or they don't have to. They have the opportunity to look at their actions and say, if they don't have somebody to bounce the distortion off of, they're like, whoa. Sometimes it might smack them in the face and like, oh, maybe that's me. (laughs) But how often does that really happen? Well, sometimes it's not even an awareness. Sometimes it's, it's almost like you pop the quantum bubble in, you know, evolution they've studied, you know, like the monkeys, I forget where it is. And then they have some on one island that were learning how they could, you know, break coconuts open with a rock. And the monkeys on the other island had no idea that this was going on, right? But once the ones on the one island learned that they could use these tools to actually pop the coconuts open and eat them, the ones on the other side of the island without having any contact got it. And they started doing the same thing because it's all in the consciousness now. So they had the ability to receive this ability to do this so it's the same thing with healing then they have the ability to actually because you've you've opened up because we're all connected anyway so even even if you're not in direct connection because it's unhealthy and you heal something in yourself you do give them the ability to open up to a higher level of healing for themselves i'm not saying it absolutely will happen right they have choice if they if, if they want to but it does make it far easier you know that you're that you're doing it. You know, I also I also use like the the 2 minute mile. Like it was almost impossible like many like how, I forget how many years ago. They were saying, you know, impossible to do a 2 minute mile, but the minute, you know, somebody broke the 2 minute mile, all of a sudden all over the world, uh, people started being able to run a 2 minute mile. Right. Right? So, you know, same thing. So, you know, we we do we heal a certain level of consciousness for ourselves and then we're opening up this big paradigm of healing for others and we don't do it really for them you should do it primarily you know for yourself sure because once you do that for yourself you become more connected with everybody anyway so that's where we kind of want to go like realize if you're doing it from for the you know for the outside it's not going to work so you know if you're doing it you know to get some outer outcome you know from those that are in your environment then that's that's going to be a block for you so it's you know 
I, I know that everybody hears this, you know, there's a lot of cliches, but it really is an inside job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really is an inside job. And everybody's really a reflection of yourself. So if you're taking a look at, you know, everything in your universe, you know, um, you know, it really is a reflection of, you know, your consciousness and where you're at. So if we can start with that, then that's what moves us forward. Sure. In a previous podcast, I felt like I needed to share something that I got in meditation Mm -hmm. and it was more for like the new year and it's kind of I didn't use the term like we're all connected Mm -hmm. but it's about it's like it's time that we be kind you know not only to our neighbor like not literally our neighbor it could be literally our neighbor but the next person um, but we really need to be kind to ourselves and I think that's where it starts right Mm -hmm. because if we're not kind to ourselves when there's no way we can be kind to anybody else Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so, and I know how torturous I am to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to be that way to others. So I have to like be nice to myself. And that's a really hard thing to learn. Mm-hmm. I think because all of us, we, so many of us, maybe all of us have trauma that are just unhealed that we don't even want to look at or address or that we've forgotten. We don't have no memory of. And if we're unconscious, we can't be nice to the next person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because you're just operating from that place. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. I mean, my life purpose is to try to be nice to myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's, that's what my life purpose is, is I mean, too. <laughs> it's, it's learning, it's, you know, it's learning love. And, you know, that is, you know, if I'm looking at the journey, you know, and I'm still going through, you know, coming out of the relationship and, like I said, going through the trauma, you know, as younger and then all the ways that I bent myself and twisted myself, you know, to try to be something, you know, that uh, people would accept. And even to this day, you know, a lot of the challenges, you know, I, I am, you know, still a being trying to learn to love myself. You know, that's, that's part of the journey. It really is. So, you know, I would agree with you. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to go back to something you had said earlier. Um, You said the term, you said something about what business wants to see. Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of goes on the the lot to me, mm-hmm. along the lines of society's expectations, and I bring that up all the time on this podcast because a few weeks after my open heart surgery back in um, 2014, someone said to me like, "What's your three, five, ten year plan? What are you going to do about retirement? You've been wandering," mm. and you know, at the time I was like, I can't even walk to the mailbox. Like I want to shoot myself <laughs> trying to walk to the mailbox. And so I wasn't even concerned about a three-year plan, let alone retirement. I didn't know my life had just been turned upside down and I didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to live, you know, type thing. Sure. So I guess my, what's my question? My question is, and maybe you've probably already covered this, like, what do you, what's your vision or your, what you see about this expectation that society puts on us? Mm-hmm. Well, especially here, you know, and I, um, I feel it a lot here in Southern California because, you know, uh, being here, I have a second business that I just jumped back into. So even with all the spiritual work, you know, I, I really dedicated myself, you know, 15 years to doing that work solely and then you know spirit pulled me back in and said you know you have a bunch of gifts and things that you're not using and gave me an opportunity speaking of retirement and empowerment and 
you should use some of these and then presented me with some opportunities, you know, to have my own investment business. So seems very opposite to the spiritual work that I'm doing, but I'm integrating, you know, a lot of what is expected in society, especially, you know, uh, for women and men, men have a lot of, you know, for being financially uh, capable and, you know, being owner operator and being, you know, someone who's directing their own, you know, their own businesses, you know, it is challenging. And so spirit really threw me into it. And I started to, you know, realize that there was a bunch of traits of mine that I had thrown by the wayside because I thought they weren't spiritual. (laughs) Right, right. You know, like assertiveness and, you know, I've got a very strong wit and humor and I'm an excellent communicator and I learned that, you know, through my healing. I was never able to be comfortable communicating with people, even in business. I was still like, I was still in existential terror constantly, you know, trying to put on the facade that I was okay. But, you know, today's business climate, it's, you know, it's still very masculine. You know, the divine feminine hasn't really come in a lot. So we're expected to be hardcore. We're expected to be, you know, uh, capable, you know, indestructible. There's very few environments, you know, um, in business that allow for a high de- high degree of creativity and collaboration. And there are some. So if you're in <laughs> one of those, I really highly congratulate you. But there are ways that we can express ourselves, you know, especially those that are really in a, uh, on a spiritual path. And, you know, they seem diametrically opposite you know that you have the way that you're supposed to be spiritual you know that's a mask too so I'm supposed to be spiritual teacher and healer and this and that so you know I was discussing earlier about that you know about the Japanese you know client that had said was very surprised that I had all these flaws (laughs) and that I had become ill you know and so I believe that spirit's trying to show me that you know diving back in here I can really see the over Whelming, you know, masculine mask, you know, in business. And so it's trying to bring back that feminine, intuitive, you know, nature, but also, you know, redefining what feminine uh, feminism is and what, you know, that divine feminine is. It's it's not just all compassion. It, it actually is strength. You know, oh, I, I work a lot with Isis, uh, goddess Isis, and also, you know, Kuan Yin as well. And they have a very strong strength you know, that is a big quality that sometimes gets thrown outside, you know, because it's like, well, you know, this isn't compassion, this isn't, you know, this, this isn't kindness. But you know, a lot of times kindness is, you know, that that feminine strength. And sometimes it's kind to be in truth. You know, it's kind to hold, you know, that type of, you know, integrity, and um, purpose. And, you know, it's just a different way of being. But business really, you know, it's it's trying to be transformed. And you can see that money drives a lot of things. So, but we're seeing it a little bit more and more. So what they expect you to be is, you know, this, what, what uh, the masculine energy wants you to be a lot. And uh, I can see that kind of trying to be integrated. So they want you, for instance, you know, with the, my investment business, I hear a lot of times, especially, you know, from women that'll come and try to work, you know, with me. Well, you know, this investor doesn't want to be closed by a woman. 
I'm like, well, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, I think it's exactly the opposite. But, you know, or I'll, you know, some of the, I contract with, you know, some of the big um, investment firms uh, that are, that I'm doing money raise for. And, you know, I'm not included on the boys' meetings, you know, where they go out and they have cigars and da da da. Not that I want to smoke cigars, but, you know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I'm excluded, although I'm the one that's raising all the money. So, you know, intrinsically, it's still kind of, you know, you can feel that, uh, you know, there's still a, a, a disconnect there. Sure. But it's moving through. And um, I, what I really want to do, um, as I was mentioning to you, Kathleen, coming into the new year is, you know, to offer, you know, integrative workshops that'll, um, especially uh, one of my students had uh, suggested a meta workshop for loving kindness, which I think would be amazing. But I want to combine that with, you know, um, also integrating 3D you know, real reality, you know, how to combine business and, and, and reclaiming certain parts of ourselves that we have discarded because for whatever reason they're not accepted, you know, that type of thing. So I think that's the next wave. So I jump back in here to, you know, mix it up a little bit. Sure. And it'll be a, a greater depth and I think it will be of, you know, as a community of spiritual uh, seekers and people that are learning just like I am <laughs> that we can really get a really big depth and you know hey listen let's be abundant you know let's go for our dreams let's you know really you know really make it happen and let's heal you know so uh, we can combine all of that and I think that's all very possible oh absolutely and you're leading the way like you always do right yeah, I'm trying. Well, I, I go through really big patches of darkness. And, <laughs> and, but I mean, I'm still teaching at the same time, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm still holding it. I'm very honest about it. And generally, if you've taken any of my classes or workshops, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upfront about what's happening. And you are. And, you know, I, um, there's a lot of chatter now about even like counselors and psychiatrists on the medical science side mm -hmm. where they're taught like you're not supposed to be human almost you're mm -hmm. not supposed to share your personal stuff and a lot of people don't find that helpful because they want to relate with their clients right mm -hmm. so I think by you expressing I think the first few times that you expressed like you had challenges at home or whatever I was kind of surprised too, like the lady in Japan, like, really? Like, <laughs> your life isn't all like, you know, butterflies and unicorns? I don't understand. <laughs> right. Exactly. But then, you know, the more I worked with you and the more it's like, it's refreshing to know that, yeah, you're just like everybody else, not that you're, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, people, you can relate to people and you're down to earth and I think that's really helpful. Well, there are two schools of thought, you know, so when I went through uh, Barbara Brennan training and I did that four years, you know, my, my, my teacher was phenomenal. So Melinda Anderson, and she was of the opinion that you didn't share. Oh, really? So yeah, there was a, there was a very big boundary between that. And then, um, uh, that's one school of thought. And then, you know, uh, the Pathwork teachings and Pathwork transformation program where I learned a lot of my emotional processing, that wasn't the case. So there's... And, you know, there's 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 oversharing where you're, you know, you're, where you're using your client as a way to heal yourself <laughs> or there's something that could be helpful, you know, that provides, you know, like a, a depth to whatever their work is. And so my boundary is that I try to know the difference and um, I see like red alarms going off if I'm kind of, you know, um, over 
you know, overstepping that boundary. So I, I try to find where that is and to, I, I really connect with my guides to try to let me know, you know, what, what is appropriate. You know, they'll, I, I will have intuitive, you know, guidance as to, well, you know, you should share something so-and-so. But, you know, in general, I don't do it too much. Um, right. Especially in somebody's healing session, I almost don't do it at all. Occasionally I will especially not if I'm working with somebody, you know, for the first, you know, uh, for the first stretch. Um, but, uh, you know, I teach a second Thursday crystal class at Multidimensional Center, and I share a lot there. Yep. That's what it's kind of about. So I'm teaching, and then, you know, a big part of that is see everybody's conscious evolution, and I participate in it. I can hold energy very well and still, you know, and still be a human in process and still show you how, especially, you know, for teaching how crystals are helping. So normally the crystals that we're working on or the technique is something I'm using personally on, you know, on a personal level. So to not be able to share that seems, you know, seems counterintuitive. If I'm not going to show you how it's helping me, then so that's, that's my, but yeah, there are two schools of thought to that. And I was trained both ways. So one way and the other way. And, um, you know, I basically let my guidance and and occasionally I overstep my boundaries, you know, or uh, overstep boundaries. And, you know, I apologize right afterwards. So, again, I'm human. I'm trying to do the best that I can, you know, on a on that level, you know, to provide the depth of teaching and, and healing that I can. Sure. So, in the interest of time, I could talk to you for hours. So, I, have, I don't want to sure. take up. <laughs> so, I always, um, I have, like, three last questions for sure. you. But two of the ones are standard for this podcast. Okay. One is, how would you define no regrets hmm, that's a good question ah embracing all of your flaws and all of your experiences no matter how they turned out that's no regrets yeah so do you have any regrets hmm Or any you you are open to sharing? <laughs> um, I would I would say you know it's an ongoing regret would be you know not treating myself as well as I should uh, physically and uh, putting other people's needs before mine. But I I believe that's a human condition. Yep. Yeah, and that's a life task of mine. So you know I'm gentle with myself on that. <laughs> it is a regret, but I think I think it's actually a part of. You know, uh, part of the healing process is they say that, um, that uh, you know, what you determine or what you perceive to be your greatest weakness is actually your strength. So, you know, that's that's where my greatest strength comes from. So, you know, victim victimization becomes strength and becomes, you know, so the people that, you know, are perceiving themselves as such, you know, um, you can look at the opposite and that's actually the spiritual strength that you have behind it. So, and that's actually your higher self strength that, that, that shines through it. So from that perspective, I don't, but if you ask me, you know, on that level, yeah, I, I, I regret on a day to day basis, not, not taking care of myself as well as I should. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of us would resonate with that, (laughs) especially myself. Yeah. And being honest. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, and I, I do the best that I can. Right. And, and uh, one thing that Deepak Chopra said in, in one of those books that I bought that I talked about, um, it, and it really, really, really hit me hard because I, and I don't know why it hit me so hard, but he said, you know, everybody does the best that they can for their level of consciousness. Yep. 
And I was like, that's like, you know, one of the four agreements, you know, don't take anything personally. Because then if you really look at it through those eyes, everybody is really doing the best that they can for their level of consciousness. But you need to turn that back on yourself and say, wow, maybe I'm just really doing the best that I can in any moment. Right. (laughs) And and with your knowledge at that moment. Yeah, right. You know, because tomorrow you could be a little bit more wiser and make a different decision. But at that time, you did the best that you could Mm -hmm. with the the information that you had and your capability. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so I have one last question, if you're willing to, for our listeners. Um, what's your vision or your intuitive vision for 2020? Mm-hmm. Anything that the listeners, anything mm-hmm. that the listeners might need That's to know. That's the angels right there. <laughs> They're like, 2020. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm pulling it in right now. I think it is a really big resetting. You know, there's been a lot of people going through trauma and, you know, very big shifts. Um, I tend to be a healer who heals healers. So, you know, a lot of my clients are people that are in the healing professions or they're, you know, working with people on that level. And I've noticed that many of them are going through massive, you know, shifts still. And, you know, everybody's like, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? But it is, I know I've asked you that. <laughs> I know. But this is this is a new, it's, it is a new plateau, you know, coming in. It's going to be a balancing energy. So, you know, a lot of what's been shaken up, you know, uh, especially through uh, the fall and coming through the winter now is um, settling a little bit. We've had a lot of energies helping us with that. It's going to be calmer, but there's going to be a lot of balance coming in, and we're going to just try to find our level, you know, in a new um, in a new state. It's a new decade, so I mean that's significant, you know. Wow, 2020, and it's a two number, which is you know can be balancing. Um, so we're uh, actually it's a four, which is also a vibration of that too. So you know a lot of support, you know, helping people to find their new level and. Um, Kind of, you know, of course, we've always been moving up in vibration, even though it doesn't feel like we are. (laughs) Well, because we're the light workers and the healers. If you're listening to this, I know you are. So, you know, there'll be big insights, you know, coming in probably around February, you know, new creative ideas, opportunities, you know, that are going to help us to kind of move forward. You know, more settling. I think it'll be calmer, even though we have all this political crap that's going on. That's still, you know, that's still balancing and settling a little bit, you know, so it's been tumultuous, you know, 2019, both globally and on, you know, a local level and then also personally um, for many of us. And I know, you know, we're going through it in our own ways. But yeah, so it'll, my, my vision or, you know, what I get from the guides is it, it'll be more balancing and, um, you know, helping us to really find peace, you know, in a, in a, in a newer way of living. A lot of us have been letting go of things that we, that ways of being, and we're still going to continue to do that. It won't be completely removed from us, but we're going to be supported in moving into more balance of the new way. Well, good. I hope it calms down because I'm ready. I know. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of, a lot of us light workers are really weary. We're tired. Yeah. I'm tired. We're tired. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) We're, we're tired. So you know, and that's, that's fine, you know, but we're going to be replenished. And I think that January will be a lot of replenishment. You know, it'll be maybe like a little bit of a pause energy as we move into the, you know, it won't be like a bam right into, you know, the next decade, but um, a little bit of a pause and then, you know, some more activity to help us to, 
integrate the new, you know, the new balancing uh, and, you know, the new way of being that we can, that we can embrace. Well, good. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Praying. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally connected to do this. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it so much. And uh, just for my listeners, I'm going to take a break over the Christmas holiday. Um, I have no other excuse except for it's the holidays and family birthdays and all that good stuff. So I'm going to take a break to rejuvenate and come back in January. So I will see you then. Thank you. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a moment and let you know how to find Deborah if you are interested in working with her. I was so excited and enthralled during our conversation that I forgot to ask her during the interview how people can find her. Deborah is located in Orange County, California. She often teaches at the HeartSpace OC in Irvine. HeartSpace OC is formerly known as the School of Multidimensional Arts and Sciences. You can find her on Facebook and YouTube. Links to her social media accounts are in the show notes, along with her email address. If you are interested in energy healing or intuitive counseling, I cannot recommend Deborah enough. As I mentioned, she has greatly assisted me in my own healing journey. Also, I have no idea where that interference is coming from, Thank you again for being patient with me as I learn the ins and outs of how to record and sound engineering. And finally, this is the last episode of 2019. I wish everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I send all of you good vibes, all the good vibes you need to make your dreams come true. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at No Regrets Podcast with Kate. I'll see you in 2020.